Hey y'all, welcome back to Seattle Lights in the South. Happy Thursday. Thank you for joining us. Well, so last week we talked about interracial dating. Spill he has some laughs, has some shocks here and there. <laughs> yes, this week we're going to take a deep dive, okay? We're going to stay on the track and we're going to talk about our experience in the world with white women. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> so yes, yeah, so before we get into it, don't forget to subscribe to our podcast. Give us a review, five stars, if it tickles your fancy. But with no further ado, let's get into this pre-funk. All right, guys, it's Queen Pin. You know what it is. And every time we get it going, we like to start with the pre-funk. Yeah. So I was on the Twitter sphere again, per usual. And per there use. was a picture. And in the picture, it was Usher, Beyonce, Chris Brown, Sierra, and Omarion. And the caption mm-hmm. says, who has the greatest dance ability now i won't consider myself by any means a professional dancer but i could do a little eight count okay i could do a little boom pop <laughs> you know cat cat boom you know <laughs> i could do it so when this came up i had to get into it and you know i actually have your response coco and now let's see, do you still agree what you said when you said it? So you said oh. in order of dancing ability, uh-huh. you said Chris Brown, Sierra, mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Beyonce, mm-hmm. Usher, mm-hmm. Omari. And I mm-hmm. agreed. Yes. And what was your reasoning behind that? Oh, see my reasoning. Okay. So it was just on danceability, right? Yes. Well, just danceability. Just the the physical abilities. So for me, you know, I've been dancing for a long time. Like I've been dancing since I was a little, little boom chicka pop. Uh, so I'm not a professional dancer or anything. But so I fancy myself a little, I'm a little, I'm a little, you know, an amateur dancer, I would say. And so I really looked at like the entire dancer package and not like dancing to their music. <laughs> So I really went for like, okay, have they dipped into other styles of dance? Are we, you know, taking risks? Are we getting inspired from other places? What is our natural ability? I picked Chris first because, you know, he's just problematic, but. But he's a good dancer. That's 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 baby daddy though. That's baby daddy. But (laughs) just like he has many different dance styles, like. In his old age, we like to call people in their 30s old. In his old age, he has maintained flexibility and range yes. in, of body motion. Um, yes. He's He freestyles, I think, better than any choreographed dance anyone of, on the list has ever done. And Here I said, Sierra, because I'm like, that is his female counterpart. You can fight Easy. me if you want to. What we're Easy. not going to do what we're not going to do is act like it's not 
Because we remember that BT Awards, they were doing the little ensemble together. Hello. BT Awards, they did something together, okay? And they lit that stage. But up. yes, it's just like the, the range of motion is still there. The knees, the back. Hello. Still there, okay? Nothing popping, oh. everything locking. So, you know, she is an amazing dancer. Like, she can... She can twerk, hit an eight count, and hit a freestyle, and hit a moonwalk, okay? Let's give her her flowers today. Baby. Give her her flowers. Now, now Beyonce, she she is queen inspo, okay? I feel like with every album, we're in a different country learning different moves. It's okay. I love it. I love it. And most of the dancing in heels. Let's talk about it. Running up and down slanted walls and doing flips and and right. doing all of this and do and with the lungs with the lungs in the conversation. This is what pissed me off. People were like, mm -hmm. "I don't care who else is on the list." At the beginning, it's Chris, but at the end, it's Beyonce. Beyonce no, no, last. No, 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 honey, misguided. No. Y'all are not about to do that to Beyonce. Granted, not on Beyonce's of, internet. Exactly. Because not on Beyonce's internet. When we're talking about danceability, like we're talking about range, we're talking about creativity. Right. We're talking not just the dancing that you like to see. Right. But the actual not, ability of the person executing what is and she gonna execute some shit. If she ain't gonna do nothing, she gonna do it right the first time. All exactly. I'm gonna say. And if it's not, you're gonna do it until it is. So right. that's something I didn't like in that conversation was because most of her dancing is choreographed, she's not a freestyle. That's not her brand. That's mm, not that's not her not, ministry. That's not her and she knows mm. that. But when she does do well, she does it excellently. And a lot of people on that list couldn't do half of the choreography she Let does. Let me tell you something. I love me some Chris. I love me some Sierra. They could not pull off Beachella if they if they if, if they couldn't do it. They couldn't they do it. it. Because for her, when you're talking about for me at least with her danceability, I'm talking about the full package. Because not yes. only am I dancing, I'm entertaining. I'm yes. not just having dance breaks to have dance breaks. It's a part of a full story that I'm trying to tell your black ass. Right. But you know, I get it. We're not, not everyone's there. Not everyone's I put, there. I put, <laughs> I put Usher and Omari on last because I'm like, with Usher, it's like, he liked to glide and dance with the mic. So it's like a very old school like feel. So I, I love that. I love that. He didn't grow. But like you, a dancer, to be a dancer, you need to do more than glide. Yes. And with Omarion, have I, I don't think I've seen him dance since Icebox. So I don't know I mean, why he's perpetually in these conversations about <laughs> dancers when he is not near one of the best R&B singers that can dance. I mean, I get that like back in the day, that was like everybody man. He was never my man because I like Lil Fizz, but we can talk about that later. But, so, I mean, I get from the time, yes, but in the conversation, I don't think he belongs. And my thing is, Omarion dances like a wind-up toy. So, I feel like... A little, a little drummer boy, a little... <laughs> 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 
you know, like, and so I just, now who I would have taken Omarion out of the conversation or placed is Tiana Taylor. If I, oh, if yes, we, yes, 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 yes. See now, that may be a little spicy. That's a different conversation. Yeah. If we're going to flip it, that's who I'd put in there. That's who I'd that's, that's what, a, what that's you a, got, girl? What's your, what's your pre-formulation for today? Girl, so mm. my pre-fung for this week. So back in January, the orange thing freed some niggas from prison. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Kodak Black was one of the free Negroes. Um, I thought he, I think he thought he pulled pulling a Lincoln. He wasn't. Um, and it's very interesting the conversation that we have going on about Kodak that we still had that we had going on about Gucci Mane when he got out of federal prison. And it's this conversation of like, he's a clone. He don't really act or look the same, but he kind of look like him. And so like there's this whole conspiracy theory on black Twitter about Kodak Black being a clone. They switched his body out. Like he's not himself. And I'm like, two, two, two points. One, can we have a realistic conversation about the prison industrial complex? And its hold it has on the black and brown communities of this country and what it actually really does to black and brown people. And two, y'all niggas will talk about anything, anything to get out of a discussion about mental illness in the black community. That man was in federal prison in solitary confinement. No, that isn't the same nigga that went in. He has mental illness now. Right. It's a whole different conversation. Fuck a clone, nigga. Are you? He good? needs a therapist. Are you good? Okay. Do you need a hug or not to be touched? Let me know. Right. Let's communicate those boundaries. Hello. Do you need like a vacation, like to go clear your head on an island somewhere? Right. Do, do we need to go be embraced by the elders? What do we need to do? Right. Because there's no reason why. We can't have these conversations rather than and right. it's a defense mechanism because we are good for making light of any everything. Everything is a joke, which is 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 amazing because not many people that have been all the fuck shit that we done been through and are going through would have survived as we have. And so I get that we make light of things because it be, it becomes more palatable. But at some point, we're going to have to have a real conversation about how prison affects our Black men. And they are not okay. Right. And it's a good number that I think the studies should be out there. Like... Black men in prison in ratio of Black men that are in America is astronomically high. For what reason? Right. And it's like, I get that it's very easy. I may may be about to get dragged in somebody's group chat. It's very easy to go hard for people that have been killed Mm. because we're very good at dealing with grief Mm. and it's very sexy. We don't have to deal with that person's repercussions of what happens to people. It's very, it's very consumable to, Mm. to mass media and the mass market, but we really have to understand that undiagnosed, untreated, unacknowledged, mental illness has far-reaching effects more so than the actual killing because if we actually open our eyes us witnessing this much death 
in multiple we have to be able to have this conversation there is no way we are not mentally adversely affected by this yes we have to talk about it we have to have these conversations we should do an episode but we should have these conversations right and i mean that's a good point you know but you know yeah that's a really good point before we get into where we're getting into so you ready to get into girl let's get into it all right now (laughs) all right y'all so this week we are talking about white women and we're just gonna dive right into the conversation but before we get into the nitty-gritty I think we should really just discuss you know our background and proximity to white women so that you guys can understand like where we're coming from you know we're not just pulling this out of our asses or just on Instagram no we have some very intimate relationships with white women so I'll let you know Queen Pen tell you about her proximity and your experience like did you have a white best friend growing up like did you experience white people at school like what's going on with that right so I feel like you know my proximity to white women was vast right like you know being like personal experiences a lot of them were with black people church where we met things like that but school right like growing up I had a best friend and um I actually am still in contact with her today who was white um my sister she's mixed she my father's black and her mother is white and um you know things like that when even you know you don't even think about it right because they're just mm-hmm. always there and even right. even in high school right like forming relationships and sharing these spaces with white women was something that wasn't foreign right we always mm-hmm. had to do it and we always knew that that's just kind of how we moved around in right. our spaces even as black women right I think because we grew up in the Pacific Northwest that like how could you not know a white person to begin with right. <laughs> so that's kind of like uh it's kind of very hard to not have intimate relationships with white people but for me I kind of have that familial link like there's a lot of mixed people in my family um, we have a large extended family that lives in the Seattle area And so we get together for family gatherings. We're just, you know, a big mixed salad. And it's amazing growing up in public and private school, especially depending on what school you go to. Um, I I grew up in the most ethnically diverse zip code in Seattle, which, you know, is kind of a flex. (laughs) So I had you know, the opportunity to be around lots of different people as well as white people, but going to private school, especially like, you know, as I discussed last episode, I went to the quote unquote ghetto high school. And that was because we had a larger population of people of color. So, and just, you know, going to predominantly white institutions as higher learning, the higher you go up. And, and that's a good thing to note because in contrast, my high school, you know, I went to a boarding school in North Carolina and Ooh. there was only six black women, six in the whole high the school. The whole school. The whole school. So that really changed things. <laughs> right. That's just, that to me is just, even though I've grown up in predominantly white educational arenas, that just seems 
crazy that you would have six black people in your entire school but i mean tokenism is real and we've experienced that we'll get into that a little bit in a little bit but yeah i feel like i don't it's very rare for me not to have white friends i don't think i've gone through life without white friends like <laughs> and it's not like it's you know purposeful or not it's just right shared these spaces and it was something where if you didn't what you just didn't have any friends there were some situations where if you didn't want to have a white friend you weren't gonna have no friends <laughs> none at all at all you was gonna have no one on your side and especially for me like especially in high school like I had my black friends and we were we rolled tough because you know we they formed we formed our bond in our private school and elementary school so you know we we, we was you know into that but like I was in a private school on color guard wow. if my best friend didn't try out with me wow. that was going to be the only black person wow. the only person of color wow in the whole squad right and i was in choir well i mean <laughs> at a catholic high school in choir So yes, our, our proximity is very vast. And I think that we wanted to, to share that because when we're going to talk about the things we're going to talk about, I want to make it clear, not that we owe it to anybody, no. but I wanted to make it clear that we are not coming from a place of like bashing anybody exactly. or just taking an opportunity to be rude. We are speaking from experience, yeah, personal experience. As well as people that have ancestry tied to the South. Yes. And especially you from <laughs> in Louisiana, right? Because you yes. have Creole influences and that's French people's. Hello. So when you think about it, there, you know, has been a lot of conversation of that and their proximity to whiteness because of that mix, which happened mm -hmm. through slavery right that you couldn't really change or affect it's just it's just part of the culture right. so I think that's important to note to set the framework like all right this is the baseline this is what we're, <laughs> we're working with <laughs> right so now let's really get into it mm, what you gotta talk about girl listen oh, oh, oh. I don't know I should let you go first I feel like just go okay. ahead. What when you when we let's let's have a discussion about the fifty-five percent, and let me define when I say the fifty-five percent. What I mean by the fifty-five percent. This past election cycle, twenty twenty, mm. after all the votes were counted, we 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 um looked at the demographics and we saw that fifty-five percent of white women that voted in the election voted Republican. Mm. And a lot of people of color were kind of scratching our heads as to how they could live through four or five years of this and still somehow subscribe to white male supremacy. And so <laughs> like this is okay with you? This is okay? Right, it's okay. Does it bother you at all? No? But see, we're asking these questions, and I think for you and I, we actually really have some insight. Yeah. 
and it's just that they're oblivious and here and, are the ways <laughs> i think that's also part of society because they're allowed that right mm-hmm. we as black women are not allowed to not be on it right there's always that saying that you have to be you know twice as good to get half of anything mm-hmm. and negro proverb hello <laughs> We know it, you know, you have to be know it well, know it well. And Mm. because of this, I feel like we're not even hypersensitive, but you just have to be conscious of it because Mm. this is the society and the global society, not even domestic, that we are in, that we're born in, that we're moving and navigating in. So for me, you know, I grew up in private education. The shift happened and why I didn't end up graduating from this um this private school the private boarding school there was a situation and I remember it was raining outside and you know it was cold so for me you know we lived on campus so I was like all right you know it's raining outside let me just throw on some sweats and a hoodie get to class and I remember walking and you know I crossed paths with two of my classmates like oh my god you're so ghetto like look at your sweats Uh, and i was like girl i'm not about to be out here in my seven jeans and tory birch and it's raining i'm gonna be out here in my felas and sweatpants and my champion hoodie and this is before champion was a hundred dollars it's really just like why 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 is why why is anything a black woman has on her body that's not something you would personally wear ghetto and i just could not and i was like you know what it was at that moment that i knew like records <laughs> you welcome to the south <laughs> and that was really like so mind-boggling where I was just like oh they're serious because they don't know because I'm one of six black women in this institution in this private institution I'm paying the same amount that y'all paying (laughs) that's the gag that's the gag hello I paid more for that institution than I paid for my undergraduate degree a hundred percent and if that's the closest you've been to black women what does that say about you? Because I grew up with white people and white women specifically. <laughs> you know, I it wasn't uncommon for me to share a space with them, but for them, it's uncommon. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, you don't, you don't get like, it. You don't know these things because you just, you just don't know these things yeah, at all. To share the space with black women. You haven't had to. If you didn't want to, it wasn't something that, went against the norm you know you have to go out and if you did share spaces with black women you didn't really have to accommodate their comfort no because I feel like I kind of have a similar story but I feel like I should share like you know my family being from Louisiana Mm -hmm. um I've always been woke (laughs) I haven't had the luxury of luxury even if I haven't personally experienced it myself I am very well aware of what's going on like I, I I often traveled to the south as a child and saw the different dynamics like mm-hmm. it is really just I think we're kind of invisible because you know there if there's six of us we kind of like just you know we get 
washed out. So they're, they're not really understanding or accommodating or very empathetic. Some of them I'll say some, I mean, some asterisk, some, not all. When I say white women as a group, Right. So my I've, I've had plenty of experiences with racism, like microaggressions. And I want to save that for like our conversation about allyship. Um, but, you know, growing up in the Pacific Northwest, um, racism is very watered down. And when I mean watered down, I mean, people are racist. Let's not act like the demographics are different from the South because it's really not. Mm-hmm. But they're not just out there and proud about it. They so, sugarcoat it a lot. There's a lot of it is very sugarcoated. It is yes. very sugarcoated. But I got my first little corporate job and I thought I was on my business. Yes. And so, you know, for me, like befriending white people is not foreign to me dating white people is not foreign to me so I'm to a certain extent you know my code switch very comfortable with the code switch let's be honest about this we got we got to we have no choice we have to be honest about this I'm comfortable with my code switch but you know for the actual me we we don't take her to work no so I told myself to you know go against my black elder advice and I befriended a, a nice white young lady at work how could you how could you how could I I learned my lesson bitch I learned my lesson so you know we, we we would you know go out after work chill on the weekends like we were cool like we were we were homey yeah and so one day I came to work with my natural hair out <gasps> Oh, cause you know me, I, I love me a good wig. Now, now Listen. look, I'm gonna wear me a wig, okay? And so I'm like, yo, let me, let me flex on everybody. Let me let these curls. Let me do a little twist out. You know? ah! I'm real cute. And so I go to work, and so I'm sitting at my desk, minding my own black business, and doing my work well. <laughs> and she peeks over my desk because our desks were right next to each other, and she asks me, "Can I touch your hair? It looks so pretty." <gasps> and I was like you cannot touch my hair and she looked at me confused and befuddled and she was like but why and I'm like is this a a petting zoo she's like well well no but your hair looks really pretty I never really see it I'm like I'm like you you can't touch it and there happened to be a co-worker adjacent to our desk and I said so and so does she ask you to touch your hair and he goes, he got real uncomfortable. I know he was uncomfortable. <laughs> he was uncomfortable. They get like that when you call. They get real because he was hearing the conversation. Because we were we were going, we were. It wasn't a hostile conversation because I was just like, you know me. I'm just like, you want to do what? Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, I was like, I feel, I feel really black right now. Like I was really just doing like extra shit at this point. Of course, I, I feel, I feel really black right now. What? Because, the thing is, you're because, at that point, you gotta stay there. You gotta stay you there. Have to go there. Because I'm like, because I had to bring up. So I'm like, that's. I'm like, you don't ask to touch my hair when I have wigs on. So why do you want to touch my hair today? What's the difference? You tell I'm me. Like, this, this is this is my body. You want to touch my body? No, you can't touch my body. And so I asked. I asked him, I said, 
has she ever asked to touch your hair? And he was like, well, no. I said, so why don't you want to touch his hair? Is it because my hair looks like this? And so 30 minutes later, I get an email from HR. (laughs) They were quick. Very quick, swift. I think he emailed them for us. (laughs) Oh no, the the gag was, there was this other black girl at work that she was friends with. She goes, well, so-and-so lets me touch her hair. I said, I don't care what so-and-so lets you do with her hair. You're not touching my hair. And I said, you do not ask a black woman to touch her hair. I don't care which black woman told you it was okay you do not go around and ask black women to touch their hair. And she said, I don't care. She saw, she, that's not, that's not the gag, sis, the gag. So I could call it an HR. I said, you know what? I said, cause you know, I've always been woke. I'm like, cause to me, I'm, in my head, I'm like, I could just have all of my law school paid for right now. Easy. I could have all of my law school paid right now. I wouldn't have to take out near loan. But I said, you know what? I said, I understand why I got called in here. And yes, it was very inappropriate. Now, yes, was she, she called in with you? Call, yeah, she wasn't called in with me. They called me in first. Mm, okay. All right. Okay. All right. Because they were like, we heard something happen and we want to know what happened because we heard it was not appropriate. Mm. I'm like, I, it was not appropriate. And I said, if I didn't know her like that and we weren't friends and we didn't see each other outside of this workplace, it would be a big problem. But I understand that she, she doesn't understand why she's wrong. I get it. But I was like, you know what? It could have been a whole hoopla. But I was like, you know what? So then she emails me and she was like, I can't believe you would do that. Like, this is my livelihood. I said, I didn't do anything. You did it to yourself. Right. I didn't call, I didn't tell HR anything. And so if you want to be mad at anybody, be mad at your own behavior. We weren't friends after that. Cause I'm like, no, you're not going to blame me for your behavior. And she, and the thing for me is at some point, you know, is it really, they don't know, or are they being willfully ignorant? Because you, oh, there's, there's no way that you go through 20 years of life plus and you don't understand that someone's body autonomy is Mm. theirs and if they don't want you touching them (laughs) that you shouldn't touch them but somehow your whiteness surpasses that but it's also like I think it's something to be said and I'm not playing devil's advocate I could but I'm not I think there's something to be said for we really can't expect too much from them because if you've really never really had a black friend and a black friend that's going to actually tell you what's inappropriate because that we've all been in a situation well not all we've been I could say at least once we've been in a con- uh, instance with a white woman that hasn't been very comfortable and we haven't been very comfortable to say anything so Okay. It's not on us. I'm not saying it's on us, but I'm saying if you go around life benefiting from white privilege. Yeah. Because if, if you if you if you've ever noticed, have you ever noticed when we bring up black and brown issues for a white woman to get it? We have to put it in male versus female analogies for them to understand it. They have no frame of reference for any oppression outside of being a woman. So for them, they can't understand how someone is oppressed someone that they like is oppressed 
I think that's the key. Someone that they like is oppressed. I don't think they have that narrative going on in their head too often. And if no one's there to like tell them like you need to unlearn this, it's very problematic. Mm. How are you ever gonna unlearn that? It's like we were talking about the kids a couple weeks ago. You how are you gonna expect your child to have patience when you were never taught patience and you never took the time to learn? Even at 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 some point as an adult sharing the space in the world but i think we that we i think we need to step away from our own understanding because for us it has been beaten to our heads you need to be aware of other people in this space because for us it meant survival when just if just imagine you go into a room and everything's comfortable and everything that you do is okay imagine being able to speak freely right that's the thing they have the privilege of speaking freely and they don't even some people don't even understand that you have this ability and I don't I mean it's a lot to handle because it's also like it shouldn't really give it shouldn't matter whether whether how you were raised you need to unlearn this shit like now yesterday two days ago I think that's a good point to make to group them as the 55% because it has been very obvious since Chief Cheeto Puff was ever in the mix that <laughs> that man never, he does not care about anybody but himself but more so he doesn't care about women and respecting mm. women mm-hmm. but these 55% of white women still voted for him knowing this because they chose their whiteness over being women you know what I dispute that I think they chose their womanhood over over everybody and I say that because when you think about feminism and the history of feminism right and all of these civil rights movements white women move for themselves and they want to align themselves with the people in power aka the white men and some of them actually believe that they have actually accomplished that and so for me it's like I'm kind of looking at it from a perspective of like of someone that has like I want to I want to put this see how you I don't see how you would explain that as them not putting their whiteness over their womanhood because even Susan B. Anthony okay but think about this see the Negro be able to vote but that's what I'm saying you have to have an understanding of when women say women what are you actually talking about because when most white no but listen when most white women say women they're talking about white women they're not talking about all women so what I'm saying when they're putting their womanhood above everything else they are putting white women above everybody else. And white women as a group want to align themselves with the people in power, basically white men. Right. They're so not thinking, so when we, so what I'm saying, no, but listen, okay, but listen to what I'm saying though. Okay. In order to be considered a feminist, right? There's a very distinct picture of what that is. Right. Feminism is white women it is the white version right of 
of the white woman version of white male supremacy. Right. Absolutely. Right. So when we th- go back to like, think about like the constitution, right? We, the people, people didn't mean all people. No. People no. meant white men with money that were Christian, that were not anything else, but cis white straight Christian not- and male. Yeah, 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 yeah. So when they say people, they're only talking about a subset of people. So when you flip that to white women, white women, when they say, I want to be a woman, they want to be a white woman. Right. They don't want us to be equal. Right. And we could have a whole episode dedicated to feminism versus intersectional feminism and all that. But when I say white women place their womanhood, they think if they align themselves with the views of white men, they're on the same level. They want to be on the same level. They want a certain level of treatment, but they only are worried about the white men. They're not worried about no one else behind them. They're worried about what's in front of them. And what's in front of them is white men. And so they want to be equal because in the, in the, and we, if we zoom out and we have, have you ever seen like the tears of people yeah. of like the hierarchy of who like is at the top yeah so it's white men yeah. white women and then i don't know how they have it for the different races and stuff but if we get to the black section it's black men black women right so for white women they're they don't have to be concerned with everybody else because right. their group is number two right and so they're thinking for me to be getting to bust the glass ceiling to be at the table that i've never been at I have to get through white men. And how do I get through white men historically is to align yourself with them and their values. Okay. There, we also have to bring in Stockholm syndrome yes. where it's like white supremacy has done a great job of dividing and conquering. Yes. And, and so you don't- It's not only for black people. It's not only for black people, but subset, like for white women, it's like, first of all, if you actually really look at this, you may be number two, but you're not getting anything. Yeah, I know. You don't you're, you're, you're still being paid pennies on the dollar for something has been proven that women can do better than men. Yes. Several like, times. they still expect them to be in the house and shit. So Several. I'm like, if you're only thinking about yourselves, because we, as people of color, don't have that privilege. We can't just think about ourselves. We have to think about our group and every other group that's in our same predicament. White women are the only disenfranchised group that doesn't understand they are a disenfranchised (laughs) group (laughs) because they have Stockholm syndrome. So if you're a disenfranchised group, not moving as a disenfranchised group, you're going to do shit that's adverse to disenfranchised groups. Right, that doesn't benefit you, and that's right. That's, it doesn't benefit you at all. Doesn't benefit you, and that that's a good point because in the twenty what was it sixteen election when we had Hillary and mm-hmm. didn't want it. White white women could have voted by themselves, and she would have been the president. Easy, you had someone who looked like you. She was just. She look like you. No, but because guess what? She under they they understand. You can make a white woman president. A white woman would never be in power with all those men in Congress. Yes. And and the shadow puppeteer. Yeah. She wasn't gonna do nothing. Not at all. They was gonna do exactly what they did to Obama and not do get let her do anything. 
you get nothing done. Because, and then they don't understand. It's like, okay. They also don't understand. Like you, you do know, like you don't have to rely on this one office. Right. But then again, if you're not, if you're, if you're operating as an enfranchised group, when you're actually disenfranchised, I could see how you would, you would be miss, you would all miss off that. the mark. Yeah. Yeah. You would, you would yeah. 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 So. <laughs> it's I'll levels be, and layers to this. And it's just like. <laughs> there is a lot. And I guess that's a good, that's a good segue to say, you know, because they operate as a, as if they are in a position of power. Well, they're not. They're not, you know, <laughs> there's, and you made a point that I was just like, you know, they haven't had to operate outside of these spaces. And mm-hmm. if no one tells them, it's like, well, obviously, how are they going to know? So then, you know, how, how do they know? Like, how are they able to be good allies if they don't think about that? right oh wow 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 the first step is definitely awareness i think every white person whether they like it or not needs to understand like we said last week this is not (laughs) individualized or customized to white women you need you need to understand one what white privilege what white supremacy is first of all what it what it really is Yes. how white supremacy has influenced the women's rights movements. Yes. And you need to be aware of how you personally are benefiting yes. in your everyday life yes. from these systems. Daily. Daily. And that's a really good point because so my, um, the school I went to, they had a scholarship. And, you know, again, we paid the same amount you know, it didn't matter. With this scholarship, the scholarship was from one of the alums, a white woman. Every year, they would have a banquet. And I never saw a Black recipient of this scholarship. Now, could it be that none of the Black students had the aptitude? Maybe, maybe. It could have been that. Maybe. Maybe. However, when you have Black students in AP classes, in honors classes, mm-hmm. in extracurriculars, in community mm-hmm. initiatives, and in projects, mm-hmm. it kind of makes you raise your eyebrows to say that there was no qualified recipients of this scholarship. Mm-hmm. Now, of course, me as a Black woman noticed this. Them, they did not. Because to them, that was normal, and they didn't see mm-hmm. how they benefited from in the space as a white woman i want white women to really understand that everything 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 you're involved in is racist and some people are like how dare why would you say that the r word oh my god (gasps) but it's like (laughs) beauty standards how many black and brown women do you see on your beauty commercials in your magazines on your Instagram, on the popular pages that you follow, how many influencers do you follow that are not white? In the in the in the fitness industry, because I I do my thing in the weight loss community, I dibble a dab. How many women of color do you see at the forefront of the weight loss slash diet industry? Even though it's toxic as fuck, y'all can have it, 
but right. how many people of color do you see at work? Do you see in higher education? You, have you ever had a black teacher? When's the first time you had a black teacher? These how are about, questions you need to ask yourself. What about medicine? When was the, how many- Have black you ever had a black doctor, a black dentist, a black optometrist? And is it because that they're not capable? No. Or is it because you never seek them out? Hmm. You didn't have the wherewithal to think, you know, I, I haven't noticed something here. Let me, let me figure out why <laughs> I'm not seeing these people. Right. And they the, say the shortcut is if you ever find that a section of your life is, oh, it's just all white. Something being all white is the biggest indicator of it being racist because this country is not all white. This country wasn't white to begin with. So for everything that you consume at every level, and then and at this end, if all the charity you're doing is for communities of color, and that's the only access point you have to communities of color is the white work, I mean, sorry, the volunteer work that you do. Let me tell you something, and this is something that really <laughs> grinds my gears because, you know, I am a first generation, you know, child. My mother was not born in America. So to see white people take these mission trips to African countries, to Asian countries, non-white countries, why don't y'all go to Russia and help the orphans? Y'all don't go to Australia and help the orphans in Australia? What about France? They don't have orphans that y'all can help? You only mm. go to African countries? Are African countries the only ones with orphans? I think the idea of mission work in the modern world is you have to open your eyes because what are you doing this mission work for? <sighs> What's the reason? And it's like, when you do this mission work, are you seeing any other parts of the countries you're going to? Or are you only going to skid the skid row of the country? <laughs> because because of I'm pretty sure every country on this planet has different communities of people. Last and time, everyone in Africa is, is not hurting for money. Last time I checked. And so with that awareness, you know, I think after the awareness comes, the next step to me is education and Ooh, definitely self and self can I say that self yes self-education not my responsibility as a black person at all to educate you on racism and how no. to learn it it's not my responsibility to do that your black friend isn't the history teacher you have you've never had it's not. it's not our responsibility to educate you on something that google can definitely pull up for you do your own research do your own reading and actually speak to people that aren't white about these things. And listen do not do not start a book club and and read White Fragility and get you and the other Karens together and discuss racism. That's that's not going to help anything, boo. It's not going to help anything. Nothing at all. You need to sit down and listen. You need to put them together, right? We're we're saying educate yourself and then listen on and your own history. On I, your own history. You did it. You did this. <laughs> we didn't. Your, your mama, your grandpappy, your great great grandmama, them, them, right. them. We they did it. This. 
And so, you know, awareness, self-education and listening to me is, is, is the, it's pivotal. It's, right. It's, I feel like with the listening, it's like, look, unless you have talked ad nauseum, so if you, unless you have become a researcher, you got a PhD in African-American studies, you really shouldn't be on anyone's internet saying anything about racism. I don't think I have met any white person that has unlearned enough about racism to actively speak about racism. Mm. You can speak about supporting black people and brown people. You can speak about how you're learning and unlearning things, but do not come to a conversation about racism unless you have come to check somebody. Yes. Because my last point on that was you need to check people outside of our presence. Yes. Behind Unless you've come to check somebody, if there are people of color in the room and racism is being discussed, you keep your mouth closed. You have nothing to offer here. You can't come in the classroom having read the syllabus, the coursework, none of that shit, trying to teach the class. It's, it's sat down. Sit down. I don't care if you already read the first five chapters of the textbook. I don't care if you got five black kids at home. We talked about it. And I, (laughs) because at the end of the day, them existing as white people in the world, they will always benefit from racism. They will always. Always. There's no It was literally created to benefit you. That is the literally only, that is the only purpose of it is to benefit you. That is the only purpose racism is serving on this on this planet. It was created for y'all. So it's asinine that y'all walk around getting offended when we talk about these things and say that you're benefiting from it. I was never gonna benefit from it. I will never benefit from it. It's just not how it's set up. So why are you so upset about me calling a spade a spade? Exactly. And again, I've said it before. People, you know, white people like to come, especially white women, right? When they like to pull out their proximity to black people. Oh, I have a black friend. Oh, Mm -mm. no, I have a black Mm. husband. You know, that does not eliminate the benefit that you still have. And at what point are you going to realize that that is not going to change? You being a good person, you donating to UNICEF, you going to help um, build a house after Katrina, that's good. That's good to do, but it doesn't eliminate the fact that that's what is happening and that's just what it is. And in order for us to not be at that place, all of y'all have to be on the same page because right now, all of y'all are benefiting. Whether you want to or don't want to, whether you like it, whether you don't like it. It doesn't matter. We're here now. Right. So we're really arguing over the facts right now. Yeah. <laughs> a made up thought in our head because you can't sit here and think that for 400 years, all black people tripping. All, all of, of us, every generation. All of us tripping. All of us tripping. But no, but I just, if you're going to be an ally, be an actual ally. Don't be an ally because you want to ease your white guilt. (laughs) Be an ally because we're human. 
and humans deserve human rights. Absolutely. Don't be an ally to make yourself feel better. Don't be an ally because, oh, now you got some black dick and had some black kids that now you need to be an ally. Mm. We were human before you got your black dick. We're going to be human after your black kids die. And we're still going to be here, period. So I think this is a great stopping point because next week, (laughs) we're going to dive deep into some more um, interracial issues as I'll put it, interracial issues. So let's just go ahead and dip right in to the soul food. Girl, that was a great conversation. It was was a lot. (laughs) That was kind of heavy. I think I need a nap, my nigga. A little nappy nap, you know. um, Well, I definitely getting a nap. So listen, it's a, it's a sleep at this point, but no, you know, I think it's important to have these conversations. We'll have more next week. And, you know, these, this is an ongoing thing in our society. So we'll, we'll dibble and dab, but yeah. I want to get into the encouragement for the girls. It feel, good. It feel good. Feel good. Yes. What you got for us, girl? So I think, you know, it's, it, it ties into what, you know, we spoke about today and, you know, the effects of that and how this society that we grew up in has really shaped us. Um, and I think it's important to be mindful of your influences and how that shapes you. You know, I spoke last week on learning something new um, and growing with that learning. And I also think it's important to note the things that don't benefit you and that could be harmful to your growth so unlearning things about your past unlearning things about yourself that are inhibiting you from growing you know if you have those weeds in your garden you got to pick them out and throw them out you know they might grow back but you still have to know they're there and cut them and and throw them away so i think that's something you know in adulthood in relationships in you know yourself you have to be aware of the weeds and the things that are inhibiting you to grow. Oh, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My advice really is just to all people of color. I am currently getting my certification to be a life coach. Woo-hoo. And so I'm in the process of becoming a life coach. And my ministry is really just with law students of color and attorneys of color and everything in between. Mm-hmm. But my advice for this is just to take up space, okay? Mm. I know that sometimes we're in these spaces that we're really not welcome in. We kind of have thoughts of like, oh, I shouldn't be here. You belong. Mm. Whatever space you're in, you belong. Mm. And to take up space. Don't dim your light. Don't dim your opinion. Don't dim your personality, your voice. Mm. I I think I spent a lot of time of, of my life just putting myself in bite-sized chunks for people because I thought I was too big. And it's like, no, I just was around someone that couldn't handle the, 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 the vast Mm. glory that I am. Okay. (laughs) So just take up space. Okay. You belong just as much, if not more than anybody else, because we've all know as people, as people of color, we have to work to get to where we are. 
hello have to work to get to where we are right there are very few of us that are resting on daddy's money there's some of us out there y'all know who y'all is right but the majority of us even if we do have a little change behind us have to do a lot of things you are worthy of being in these spaces your voice is valuable you are creating change Mm -hmm. even if you don't see anyone that looks like you around you be confident in who you are I like that. I like that. And then have the audacity and the boundaries of a white man, okay? Get some <laughs> money in your coin, too. All right? And <laughs> <In any> tax. <laughs> okay? The black or brown tax, okay? <sighs> <Ooh>. <laughs> All right, guys. You know, every Thursday, we hee hee kee kee. And I'm here for it. I love to have you here for it. You know, don't forget, guys, like, follow, subscribe, tell a friend, tell a friend, turn on your notifications because Thursdays we are live and in there doing all the things, all the things we're doing. Yeah. So thanks, guys. You know, next week we're coming back um, talking about our um, Caucasian tendencies. So make sure you tune in and we will see y'all next week. Peace, love, and all the above.